welcome to the MIB-TWIB podcast. The MIB-TWIB stands for the Men in Black This Week in Basketball. We will discuss each week's games, look at the stats and search for insight, and watch as the team progresses into what we all hope, a title contender. The race for SACE continues. Let's talk Spurs. What's up, Spurs fans? First, some injury news. DeJounte Murray got the surgery to repair his torn ACL on October 19th. A few days later, we see him on Instagram, right knee, fully bandaged, dribbling a basketball. I will note that the Spurs never provided the grade of the tear, and that's somewhat important. People were calling DJ, Derrick Rose, 2.0 when he went down to the injury. Rose had full reconstruction of a grade 3 tear. The sports orthopedist said it would take 12 months or longer. He added, it depends on muscle psychology, confidence issues. At the other end of the spectrum, Adrian Peterson suffered a grade 3 ACL tear and was back on the football field in 9 months. Dr. James Andrews did the surgery within one week of AP's ACL tear because he felt he was a strong candidate for early surgery. DeJounte got his within 12 days. Let us hope that the video of DJ carefully dribbling a basketball while standing on both legs is a good sign. To be clear, he is favoring his surgically repaired knee but he looks to be in good spirits. Get well soon, DJ! It's Spurs Day and the Spurs are closing up this two-game road trip in Los Angeles at Staples Center against the Lake Cats. We now know that the Lau will be short-handed, but I'll get to that shortly. First, let's talk about the loss in Portland. So the first game of the road trip happened at Portland and our Spurs ended up losing 121-108. Our Spurs hung tough for a bit and despite the deficit, they tried to rally but just could not get the stops needed. In episode 3, I had this one pegged as a loss going in. It's the first road game of the season and the Blazers have a talented backcourt in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and defensively for the Spurs, it's going to be tough to check them and that proved to be true. You can check the show notes from episode 3 by simply visiting the Noobtwib podcast Facebook page and check out the photo albums. There, all PDF files for all of the podcast show notes are contained. Anyways, I figured that the pace needed to be slow to take advantage of post-ups for LaMarcus and give DeRozan time to think about how he wanted to attack the score, and lastly, to keep the ball out of the Portland backcourt's hands. With DeMar running point as the combo guard, the Spurs offensively were using his skills to stay close to the Blazers for a half. When the spacing is good, the floor opens up, and the offense flows. With Pirtle in the game, it's as if it's almost 4 against 5. Once the play is started, in most sets, you see him float to the left side of the block, and that's it. He waits for the ball to move, and if it's on his side, then that's when he reacts. The Spurs do not run an easy offense, but he has to learn on the fly. His role is defined, so there should not be too much complexity, but still, he has much to learn. I can see why his minutes are limited. Jakob is useful for screens and battling for rebounds, especially offensive boards, but he needs to impact the game more. Someone said it's like watching Thiago Splitter's early days as a spur. That's an apt comparison. Pau Gasol offers more offensive versatility, but defensively, the center position is lacking. Having Jakob start gives Pau fewer minutes, and in theory, that's supposed to be a good thing. We can't look at it as one guy who needs to get 20 and 12. We have to look at it as combined, the center position is getting 20 and 12 and 4 assists. Let's add a few blocks as well, but for sure, this is still a work in progress. Defense in this game, especially perimeter defense, was lacking. The fact that the Spurs only have 4 healthy guards is a problem against teams that have really good backcourts. You can compound that by pointing out that 2 of those guards are short and don't have any real length. A player with a short wingspan means that the player has to make shots offensively, so that way, if they're being abused defensively, it's of minimal impact. 
Bryn and Patty defensively need to make up for their smaller frames with effort, good positioning, intensity, and need rotating help defense. Far too often in the second half, too little of that happened, no pun intended. The thing is, with just those four guards, Damar, Bryn, Patty, and Marco, it's going to be hard for Pop to make the adjustments he needs unless LaMarcus, Rudy, and Damar are on fire and those other guys are making shots. The offensive sets got them good to great shots and they missed a bunch. The good news is that adding a fifth guard, but this one with height and length, does not require a trade or free agent pickup. This team needs Derek White. It is hopeful that he should be back in a month or less and I think that's a realistic possibility considering that Pop said that Derek might just have a two to four week thing instead of a six to eight week thing. Sometime after that, I predict early December, but hope sooner. The Spurs should get Lonnie Walker the fourth back. Getting those two lengthy guards back means that we get a bigger starter and a bigger guard off the bench. Where that helps the Spurs is that this makes the rotation deeper and both Bryn and Patty get back to their defined roles as situational players for three point shot attempts in limited minutes. The perimeter defense was trying, but the shots Damian made, even when being challenged by digging forwards and taller post players, were highlight worthy. He's all NBA first team for a reason, but still, if you cannot stop him, you have to be able to stop his help scoring and truth be told, CJ McCollum was almost as good. Combined, the Blazers starting backcourt shot 18 for 30, with both players going 9 for 15 for a field goal percentage of 60%. Hashtag unreal. In the show notes, I will link an article about the Spurs D to date from Paul Garcia of Project Spurs. He gives us the breakdown on what to look for, but DeMar DeRozan can play defense. From Paul's article, I can tell you that against CJ and Damian, when they were being covered by DeMar, they shot 3 for 10. That's great defense for DeMar. He was the only thing really working for the Spurs. DeMar DeRozan has been all everything. He slithers during the game. It reminds me of Manu Ginobili, but at a different, more reserved, less frenetic pace, but with eerily similar results. The only thing missing is a penchant for dramatic and timely three-pointers. I hope that as he continues working on adding the three-point shot to his arsenal, we'll get those dramatic and timely threes. For as good as he is, he simply cannot do it alone. I have said on numerous basketball forums for a long time now that there is one stat that tells me if a scorer is being limited by defense. That stat is the one point per shot rule. In theory, if a player scores one point for every shot he takes, it's not very efficient. Lamarcus was being doubled on the catch every time and there was little adjustment for that. He finished with 12 points on 6 of 13 shots. When your All-NBA big shoots 46.2%, then the others have to play better and the defensive effort by the team has to be on point. In this case, they failed. Take it a step further, Rudy Gay scored 12 points on 5 of 13 shooting, an atrocious 38%. After watching a replay of the game, you could tell that some of the Portland fast break defense was real bad. The cross matchups caused a lot of confusion resulting in players not being where they needed to be and Portland finding open shots time and again. Rudy Gay was the main culprit here as he drifted to the middle of the court, head turned looking one direction and guys like Jake Lehman and Nick Stauskas finding open lanes to the rim off easy passes from their teammates. This cannot continue to happen, especially against the likes of the Lakettes. After the game, Pop broke the loss down for the media. He explained it like so. We're not disciplined defensively yet. It's going to take a while with a new group, basically. They run a really nice offense. It's geared for their players and it's hard to guard. We're just not ready for that. San Antonio allowed the Trailblazers to shoot 53.6% from the field and is getting used to new teammates and new defensive responsibilities. LaMarcus Aldridge pretty much echoed Pop. 
He said, it's all about communication. We were a little late on some rotations and some schemes. We have to keep drilling it and get more familiar with each other. I agree with both Pop and LaMarcus. There is still so much to learn and we are only going to Game 3. And get this, the Spurs currently have a better record than the Lake Cats. So, let's talk tonight's matchup. It's Monday, October 22nd, and the Spurs will be playing the five straight seasons of no playoff making team from LA. Yes, the Lakeettes have missed the playoffs five years in a row, and some of those years with that Kobe fellow getting paid big dollars. Missing five playoffs straight is a lot. To prove a point, do you know that since the Spurs first came to the NBA that they've missed the playoffs only four times ever? So the Lakeettes are a new look team and they've retooled with some veterans. Yes, they've got LeBron, Rajon, JaVale, Lance, and Beasley, but what does it all mean? How does it all fit? Combined with those young up-and-coming guys, what does this team really have? Is it better for LeBron to be more like Magic than Kobe? Is it going to work? I really don't care to analyze any more than I have to, but truthfully, I hope every time they play the Spurs, Pop reminds LeBron how much he's owned him during the finals. The Lakeettes are a work in progress like most any other team not named the Warriors. A quick look at the stat sheet reveals some eye-opening problems. 1. The Lakers are shooting an NBA worst 24.2% from three-point range. 2. LeBron is averaging 25, but he has shot 1 for 11 from behind the arc. 3. The Lakers are 27th out of 30 teams in points allowed at 126 points per game. The Spurs are 18th at 114.5 points per game. We really won't know how good the Lakeettes can be against our Spurs tonight, considering the dust-up that happened against the Rockets. Rajon Rondo, he of spit and punch instigating fame against CP3, and Brandon Ingram, he of WWE run from half court, let's throw a right hand at CP3 in a crowd of players, fame, are both suspended for multiple games. Since the Spurs are on their schedule, Rondo will miss tonight's game, and Ingram will miss tonight's and Saturday's road game at the Spurs. Going into this game, I hope that the Spurs' game plan is to lock down all other guys on that team and to force LeBron to be overly ball-dominant. I think every team he faces should make him work and do everything. Make him be the de facto point guard, be a lockdown defender, and fight bigs in the post for shots and rebounds. He's LeBron, and still in amazing shape, but father time is undefeated, and hey LeBron, this is the West. Hashtag no more easy trips to the finals. For the Spurs, this suggests that forces anybody who has to defend LeBron to be on an island. You have to stay home. You don't care if that guy scores 40, because if the rest of the Spurs defenders can lock up those other guys, they won't score enough against a collective Spurs team. I am looking at you, Rudy Gay and Dante Cunningham, and also you rotating help defenders. Dig if you must, but stay home and keep the likes of KCP, Josh Hart, and Lonzo Ball from shooting threes. Wait, did I really say Lonzo Ball? To his credit, he's made more threes than LeBron currently. They will look to play an up-tempo game, so fast break defense will be very key. The cross matchup breakdowns that happened in Portland cannot happen here. It's imperative that every man is accounted for from the moment that team gets the rebound. Since Lonzo is probably starting at point guard, he has to be picked up as early as possible so that these fast breaks can be disrupted. Same for LeBron. Offensively, the Spurs just have to be steady and score as a group. The points are going to come from the three known scorers, Aldridge, DeRozan, and Gay. If we can get 60 to 65 points from them, and then a collection of 4 to 14 from the other guards, I don't think the Lakeettes will score enough to get the W. 
Watching some of the LAL at Portland and Rockets games, it seems that the LAL will stop short defensively and occupy no man's land space if the ball moves. These two games have shown that they are susceptible to lobs and good high to low. I think the Spurs have lots of sets and combination players that can do exactly that. Those guys will be crafty. They'll get a bunch of hometown calls, but if you can withstand that and force them to take tough shots and not let them get comfortable, this game is easily winnable. Okay, maybe not easily. It will take a lot of ball movement. People clown JaVale McGee, but he's got serious length with good hops, so alley-oops are going to be attempted and made. Defensively, McGee is prone to falling for an upfake, so I hope LaMarcus takes advantage of that and mixes some fakes in with a strong first step to a hook shot or fadeaway jumper. I think the Spurs will steal this game, and Pop will remind LeBron what a great coach can do to negate a one-man team. Coach Luke Walton will do what he can to make this game competitive, but due to the suspensions of two of his most pivotal players, I think his team will press and fall short. I feel that the Spurs get the win and will end their first road trip at 1-1. One one. With an overall record of 2-1, they head home and we wait for news of the return of Derek White. Since I do a late release of the podcast, Monday evenings, California time, I can add in if I was right or wrong and then give a quick recap of the game. As always, the MipTwib Podcast Facebook page will have all the news and videos for the Spurs and the games they played. Visit the Facebook page and get an update there. Game Night Reaction So it's 11.30pm California time and the Spurs came back from down 4 in OT to win the game, 143-142. to Yes, the game was that high scoring. There was no George Griffin on the court, but the Spurs got a combined 69 points from Aldridge and DeRozan. The game plan I talked about going into this game at Staples was only kind of right. I got the style of gameplay incorrect for the late gets. I thought LeBron was going to go all world and the Spurs were going to limit the others, but it was Kyle Kuzma with LeBron and some three-point shooting from Josh Hart that almost stole the victory. I got the Aldridge to get McGee to bite on upfakes correctly. He fouled out McGee in OT, and that helped keep the inside open for attacks. Coach Luke Walton brought in young Eurobig Ivica Zubak, and LA took him to the post, and he got five fouls in five minutes. DeMar DeRozan was on fire with both his shot and his passing, a new career high 14 assists. I also got to give big props to Coach Pop and his staff. They decided to play small and start Dante Cunningham. He got 12 rebounds, 3 points, and defended LeBron as best as he could until he picked up all 6 fouls. That sixth foul was, as Sean Elliott says, great defense, lousy call. Back and forth we go. LeBron has a chance to take the Lakeheads up by three. He was fouled with 12.8 seconds on the clock and had two free throw attempts to extend a then Lakeheads lead. First one, short, bounces back and out. Second one, same exact thing, and DeMar DeRozan secures the rebound and calls a timeout. Spurs set up a slob, sidelines out of bounds play, and when you see it, you realize that Pop decides to give us a throwback tribute play. That game winner was a play that we've seen Tim and Tony and Manu run a thousand times at least, and Damar, LaMarcus, and Patty ran it to perfection, and Patty took the shot, free throw line extended left side and got nothing but net. The Spurs play tough defense late, and they get the W. Like Bill Land says, whoa mama, whoa mama indeed. Now, let's get back to the next opponent. On Wednesday, the Spurs go home to play the Indiana Pacers with coach Nate McMillan. They are led by last year's most improved player, Victor Oladipo, who is happy to be back in Indiana where he played college ball. The Pacers have a gritty collection of size, youth, and experience. They are a balanced team and start with two traditional bigs in Miles Turner and Thaddeus Young. 
They also start sharpshooting Euro, Boyan Bogdanovich at small forward, and Oladipo at shooting guard with Darren Carlson at point guard. Their bench includes former Gonzaga post Demontis Sabonis, son of Lithuanian legend Arvidas Sabonis and Tyreek Evans, Doug McDermott, and former Spur Corey Joseph. The key here is stopping Victor Oladipo. He is the head of the snake. Does Pop put Damar on him and risk his offensive output being limited due to energy expensed defending Oladipo? Or does Pop go the committee approach and rotate Brandon Marco on him with Damar occasionally? I prefer the committee approach. The Spurs have an experience advantage in the post with LaMarcus and Powell. Pirtle gives Pop a tool to use against the more mobile Turner and Young. I don't think their post players can beat ours. I just feel that at home, our post guys will be relaxed and our bench play will be better. I look for Davis Bertans to score more than his typical output. I just have this feeling that he sees Bogdanovich with the Pacers and will want to outpoint the other former EuroLeague star. I predict Bertans will get at least 15 points and make four three-pointers. Coach Nate McMillan was a great defensive guard in his playing days with the Seattle Supersonics. He played alongside Gary Payton and demands that his team share the ball and commit to playing defense. He's kind of like Pop in that respect, so expect another close game for our Spurs. When it gets down to it, our advantage at post in LaMarcus has to be greater than Indy's advantage at backcourt. To put it in mathematical perspective, it's LA plus Pal plus Yakov plus Bertans, is that greater than Oladipo plus Carlson plus Bogdanovich plus Evans? I think so. I think this game will be closer than we realize, and I expect that the Spurs will win a close one. I predict the final score will be Spurs 110, Pacers 105. The final game of the Monday to Sunday week is another home game on Saturday, October 27th. And guess what? It's the Lake Gets again! And this time, they are coming to the AT&T Center except spitting Rajon Rondo will be back on the court. That gives them three primary ball handlers to contend with, so getting out defensively on fast breaks will still be very key. Overall, I think the game plan should still be the same as the one from the Monday night game. Adding Rondo moves ball back to the shooting guard, so it is of utmost importance that the Spurs limit Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma. Those two guys have been playing the most steady of the Lal Young players. JaVale McGee will still pose a looming threat and of course there is still the LeBron factor. I don't know what their record will be at the time of this recording, but I expect that if the Lakers have zero or just one win, they will play at a high level to try and secure the victory. I got a bad feeling about this one, and I think that unless our bench play is strong, our guys are going to come up short on this one and give the visiting Lyle team a W. I would so love to be wrong, and I hope I am. Time for a regular segment. Pop Logic, Mad Genius, or No Rhyme or Reason. For this episode, I have been noticing on Spurs sites I visit, why oh why won't Pop trade for a point guard? My read is that the answer is, he doesn't feel he needs to, yet. I get that a lot of people are saying that there are some good vets out there, but we all know that the Spurs offense is not an easy thing to learn. They have, on occasion, used journeyman point guards like Jason Hart and Chris Quinn, but only for short stints. It would seem that Pop is playing the waiting game for certain injured players to return, and only after evaluating his team with those players will he decide to make a move. Buckle up Spurs fans, we get to see more Brendan Patty defending taller, more athletic backcourts. Let's hope that the Team D will help Brendan Patty limit the scoring. Perhaps Dante Cunningham can channel the ghost of Bruce Bowen's defense and give the Spurs a lockdown defender? I hope so, but that's asking a lot. Let's hope that the return of Derek White and Lonnie Walker IV solves many of the current size issues our smaller guards cannot. All in all, two wins and one loss this week is my prediction. 
I'd rather go 3-0, but the NBA has some really good teams and so many things are so unpredictable. Let's hope that the one constant is that this team is still playing chess while the others are playing checkers. Get all news and video updates on our Facebook page, the Mibquib Podcast page. Please smash the like button and follow us so you can find the latest news and videos about the San Antonio Spurs. Please also follow us on Twitter, at SpursMenInBlack, and on Instagram, SpursMenInBlack. If you like what you hear, please let your network of Spurs fans know. I appreciate you guys for taking the time out of your day to listen to the Men in Black, this week in basketball podcast. I am the Man in Black. Y'all be cool.